everyone. Welcome to another episode of Spunk Lake Sports. Austin Schindler here with Isaac Dinesen. Isaac, we let things sit with the wolves. Now, it, the, the, we're going through the five stages of, of grief here. I'm in the depression stage. <laughs> and I think at this point, I, I'm at the acceptance phase. Just like, all right, you know, I, I was kind of already in the acceptance phase, actually, like the day after uh, they lost game five. If you remember what I said in that in our in the last episode, it's like, who are the Wolves realistically going to be playing if Anthony Edwards hit that shot to go into overtime in game five? Like, Cat was fouled out. Gobert is fouled out. Like, there are, there are serious depth issues that they had on that playoff roster. I'm ready to move on and start thinking about next year. Yep, I saw... I saw Rudy posted uh, on Instagram his three defensive players of the year and said something like paraphrasing, like y'all think the work is done or like y'all think I'm stopping here. Well, just wait. And I'm like, all right, let's see it. <laughs> we got to see it. We saw more of it in the playoffs. Yeah, we did. We did. And he had a nice, you know, obvious second half to the season too. He really kind of put things together. I just, you know, can we just like lock Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards in a gym for the summer and just say pick and roll all day. Just keep doing the pick and roll, work on it, become masters at it and figure it out. That's that's what I'd love to see. Just lock them in a gym. Same here. I mean, well, I mean, I don't know if we're going to. So then are we going to then be asking, you know, Edwards to be more of a distributor? Are we going to need him to have his assist count go up? That's what I don't know because like he's he clearly excels as a ball handler, create off the dribble kind of guy. So then I guess is the next step then going to be like maybe play point guard a little more. Is that what we're kind of thinking right now? Well, if we don't have a look, I like J Mac. J Mac's not going to do it. So we might need Ant to uh, to take kind of that second ball handler, be that second point guard, but at the same time too, just work with Rudy just get comfortable throughout the entire season he never really looked completely comfortable with the guy I don't really need his assist account to assist count to go up I don't need him really need him to distribute the ball more just feel out the team just know where you know find Rudy's spots you know when you're driving to the basket with three guys on you just knowing where Rudy is where you can maybe just go around him dump it off for an easy dunk that's what I'm looking for it doesn't have to be the assists going up. It's just working with the guys. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because it just looks so clunky last year. I mean, obviously, like, part of that was Rudy, part Cad, part Edwards. But if you can just mesh Gobert and Edwards together, that's going to ease some of that at the very least. Now, it's kind of like, well, what do you do with Cat? Well, we just signed him to Supermax. He's not going anywhere. We just did that. So for everyone looking to trade cat, like just calm, just stop, just stop. There's no way Tim Connolly that they might field calls. Sure. I mean, what GM president doesn't, but guess what? We're he's here. Deal with it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you don't like his playoff performances, he's just, he's a generational talent at offense. So you just got to work <laughs> with that too. That's what we, we have these pieces. We have like some of the most talented pieces to be on an NBA roster, but it's the most weird pieces to put together on an NBA roster. 
Well, and now with the the cat issue too, I mean, yeah, especially with the um, you know, trade cat crowd as well, like because he signed that huge contract and he's getting all that guaranteed money, the return that you would get at this stage of his contract is not going to be all that much just because the team that would be getting him would know that they're, you know, taking on a super max type of, you know, slot on their, on their salary. So that's where it becomes a lot more challenging too. I remember I keep seeing like all these, like, all right, the wolves have to rip off the bandaid and trade Carl Anthony towns to the Knicks. Like, I don't know how that's going to work, you know, and I don't know if it, like is even a good spot for cat either but i don't know i just don't know that at this stage unless there's like reason to believe and there's like actually talks getting leaked about it that that's gonna happen right and and it's you know unfortunate that he didn't perform as well as he did in the playoffs but i don't know if i jump straight to we need to rip the band-aid off we gotta do this now i mean i don't think it's i don't think that's the case he missed 50 plus games this year, man. Like it, it as much, as much optimism as I wanted to throw into this season, I mean, all in all cat missed 50 games. You're playing two centers. This doesn't happen in today's NBA. You need time for that to work. And that's that, that's, that just puts us in a tricky situation. Maybe if cat played the entire season and it still looked like it does today, then we think about it more. Then we like, all right, do we rip the Rudy Band-Aid? Do we rip the Cat Band-Aid? Do we rip both and just say, Anthony Edwards, here's the keys. Jade McDaniels, here's the keys. That's, that, that. it was just such a weird season. And it only got weirder, honestly, yesterday. Finding out that Jaden McDaniels did not make an all-defensive team was like, right. look, I'm not surprised because the Wolves just don't get that type of love. But... It's just so annoying when you hop on social media or Twitter or whatever, and everyone's like, why not Jade McDaniels? And, ev- and like, the replies are, no one watches the Timberwolves. My my brother in Christ, these writers. It doesn't matter. Job. That's their job. Contest. Watch the games and pick Watch the, the best NBA. defensive players. Look, I respect uh, Alex Caruso. I respect, like, I respect the guy. Very good defender. All defensive first team. We're playing into a meme now. This is a, a meme. I don't look. When I think of best defenders in the league, Alex Caruso isn't even in my top ten. Like, and may, maybe it's because I haven't watched the Bulls enough. But I mean, they only made a they, they only made a play in, and I guess you know you could say the same for the Wolves. But you could, I think I saw Jade McDaniel's was the only player to have 70 steals and 70 blocks this season that's I generational mean, and it's then- not un- it's it's certainly uncommon to see that especially from a player of his stature like a 6'9 wing you know being as active on those parts of defense I mean, and, and according to the this athletic article by John Krasinski, in the voting, he finished sixth among forwards in uh, the uh, defensive uh, teams. He was 41 points behind OG Ananobi, who was the last of the four forwards to be named all defense. So, like, then what's got to happen then? 
if he's putting up numbers like this and he's got defensive metrics on his side, not only that, he's also regularly tasked with, um, you know, guarding the other team's best ball handler. You know, again, a great example, unfortunately, before he broke his hand was when he was guarding Kevin Durant and that Suns game that the Wolves were almost able to win but it was almost they were almost able to win that game was because Kevin Durant didn't light the wolves up Jane McDaniels was locking him down so you know and that's just like one of the examples so yeah it's unfortunate that you know it didn't happen this year but what's to say it can't happen later oh it's it it's it's part of the process it's like that thing that Giannis said after the Bucks lost in embarrassing fashion to the Heat because you didn't make the all defensive team now doesn't mean this was a failure of a season for Jaden McDaniels recognition's going to come. I guarantee it. If he keeps playing the way that he does, that he has hundred percent. And that, and all John also brought up a great point at this, like at this point, why are we, why are we putting positions on the all defensive team? It's, it's already turning into, if not already a completely positionless league. You brought up mm-hmm. the Durant thing. Well, on the next day, Jaden McDaniels is guarding Jamal Murray. And right. Him down as well. He's guarding, he's guarding guards. He's guarding forwards. Why are we limiting just the posi- the technical positions? Because if Jade, maybe if Jaden McDaniels, if we did a positionless um, type of voting, maybe Jaden would have made it this year. Now, not say like, I hate that for Jaden, but for the, for the Wolves, Maybe that knocks like a, a mill or two off his next contract. You know, maybe that saves us a couple mil. Or you can bring up, maybe. That, hey, dude, you didn't get voted. Like, well, he, if you would have, then this is, you know, what we would have got you. But, you know, he's still got work to do in quotes. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I'm just kind of, it, it, it does, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Let's just say that, but it's just like, come on, like give this guy the recognition he deserves. Like this is, this is a real, like we rely, we needed this guy all season and yeah, showed it, it obviously showed in the playoffs. Now, Alexander Walker did a fine job on Murray. He just hit the shots. But if you added that, those extra three inches, right. Three, four, five inches, maybe that. Especially to the wingspan. Jaden McDaniel's wingspan is super long gnarly. too. That is gnarly. Yeah, he's got some of the longest wings in the league. So I don't know. I mean, maybe that. Obviously, we don't win that series. They're taking. They're just. They're just whomping on, kind of Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. So, they're a one seed. That makes sense. They're playing like it right now. That and have you noticed how weird the NBA playoffs are? Like the series are close, but it's just like every other game in the second round is a complete blowout. Like pretty well, much. Like the only pretty we got the nice little close game between uh, the Lakers and Warriors. But last right. night, you look at the Phoenix series last night, or you look at it and say, oh, three mm-hmm. great series. Well, there's like three 20-point blowouts in this series. Including so. game five, where the Nuggets just took complete control in the second half. So, mm-hmm. And then same, same with like the Sixers, too. I mean, they did have an overtime game um, in game four. Right. You know, you're expecting back to the garden. Like, let, this is going to be intense. 
Boston just didn't show up to play. No. No. <laughs> no. I don't know. This is a this has been such a weird season, just overall, whether it be like how close the West was to like these weird blowouts and then now the Lakers are up three one on the Warriors, the defending champs as well. Like the uh, Lakers. Again, let's not bash the Wolves management for this either. The players that the Wolves sent to the Lakers this year, you know, essentially D'Lo, Beasley, and Vanderbilt, they were all rushed off the floor in the last game the Lakers played. Yep. Like, they did nothing. And uh, let's not also say, (laughs) let's not also buy into the propaganda that D'Angelo Russell was held back in Minnesota. Yeah, Uh, I was just going to bring that up, too. Like, he was... Look at the numbers. He averaged more points, more assists in Minnesota. Not by much, but let's not say he was held back. I mean, yeah, maybe they oh, want only to take more of that playmaking role. Because, well, yeah, because <laughs> you're you're behind Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and he's like, I was the third option there. I'm like, you're still the third option, if not the right. fourth in L.A. What are you talking about? Yeah, the thing is, right, you now just have two Hall of Fame teammates like two people that are on your team that are guaranteed to go to the Hall of Fame. So like arguably the best um, player to ever step on a basketball court, arguably. Right. So yeah, I don't know. Like the amount of like traction that that's gotten and the amount of people that have believed it without actually thinking about the situation that Russell is in, like there are so many times too where yeah, as we've talked about before, D'Angelo Russell will just go completely silent. He will not do anything productive and he will basically not be part of the offense. And that will lead to games derailing. And the Lakers are lucky that they haven't been the, on the wrong end of too many games derailing because of Russell, because they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on their team that can also just pick up the slack. So, they, they won last, or they won game five and or three one game four, and D'Angelo Russell went one of ten from the field, oh four from three in thirty one minutes, four right. total points. Didn't even really get to the line too much. Like they they're picking up that we the Wolves lose that game if D'Lo puts that up. The Lakers can win it. That and just just because you're winning doesn't mean you're in a. I don't know, you're just you're you're a better fit for the team, I guess. Like you're still putting up a disaster class, bro. <laughs> and that like if you're just gonna rip on minutes, it's like, oh, I didn't get enough freedom in Chris Finch's free flowing offense. That's kind of the point. Let's also not forget the disaster class that was game five last year against the Memphis Grizzlies. Taking like I th- thank you for whoever uh, put that up on Twitter this week. Like just all the awful moments, the turnovers, the awful shot selection that ultimately got him benched, and uh, the Wolves lost that game late. You know because also of another awful shot by D'Lo in the clutch. Like I Eagle on the call was like way off because it didn't touch rim. Like it was a chance to, I think, either tie the game or take the lead or whatever. Like, yeah, like let's not say that D'Angelo Russell is above criticism. He's not for his time in Minnesota. Let's not say that. Running, 
there's like there's two extremely weird stand fan bases in the NBA. Russell Westbrook and D'Angelo Russell. The people who defend I mean Russell Westbrook at least has a case. He's an MVP. He averaged a triple double. He's got like, you know, he's multiple times. Multiple times multiple he's averaged times. a triple double. Like D'Lo, what are you defending at this point? Nothing. And neither does D'Lo because he doesn't defend. Like but I'm so i don't know man like those are just like and why are we standing players like bro you don't look he's not gonna see this tweet he doesn't know who you are (laughs) well the thing well the thing with that is like kevin durant might so like you know kd stands yeah they can say that probably get recognized yeah <laughs> but like i mean but KD only, only replies to the haters though so yeah okay fine he probably sees all the love is like sweet and then sees one hater is like i'm here <laughs> what's popping <laughs> <laughs> i love kd man he's he's awesome i love him on twitter he said some like all when i log on here it's like hands <laughs> like that like, you just love to see that but no that, i don't know we'll the Wolves, we'll see what happens. I, I, I don't anticipate anything this offseason. I expect it to be pretty clean. I anticipate, yeah. Rivers I anticipate probably smaller moves. Yeah. Like, we'll just see those little I don't know, 10, 11, 12 guys basically get filled in. Ideally, we bring back Nas, too. I mean, Right. That's kind if of... If they can find the room to bring back Nas Reed, that would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll stop the basketball talk here because the Vikings had a draft. So we got to talk about that. Vikings, uh, one, two, three. Originally started out with pretty sure five picks in this draft. They ended up turning it into six with a trade. Um, first round, they took wide receiver Jordan Addison. He won wide receiver of the year at Pitt. He transferred to USC, had a solid season. Um, third round didn't have a second round because of T or yeah, TJ Hawkinson, um, McKee Blackman, also a USC guy, cornerback. You need that Jay Ward, LSU safety secondary. Definitely need that. Um, Jacqueline Roy, LSU nose tackle, fill up the defense. And then not sure about the, uh, Jaron Hall BYU, but a lot of people like Jaron Hall. Quarterback. A lot of people like Jaron Hall, but let's also curb our expectations. We got overexcited about Kellen Mond. So and uh Zach Wilson, also BYU guy. And then Dwayne McBride in the seventh round uh, out of UAB. Um I guess I I mean Kevin O'Connell's a quarterback himself. So I, I do trust I do trust his eye. It's just that you know Jaron Hall's like same kind of guy as Malik Hooker. He's like 25, 24, older guy. Not a, if he develops, he develops great, but I don't, you know, if he's a, if he's a lifetime backup that we can just like a Mike Redmond, you know, emergency type <laughs> backup for like 10 years. Okay, fine. I'm, I'm on board with that. I don't really see a future obviously, but is there anything that like sticks out to you about this draft? Well, the Jordan Addison pick was the right move. I thought for the value of it, just because of all the wide receivers that were going at the time, mm-hmm. you know, like, 
the the run on receivers was happening right before Addison was the next best guy. If they wanted to add a playmaker on offense, he was the guy to do it. So I liked the pick of Jordan Addison a lot just because he'll fit into that Adam Thielen role, I think probably right away. You anticipate that he'd be ready to do that with his 4-4 speed, the verticality that he can bring to the slot, or if they choose to have him on the outside, he can still go vertical. He can run, um, you know, a lot of different types of routes. I just think that the value is certainly good there um, to get Jordan Addison um, at that spot. And I think the other thing that at least a lot of people that I've been seeing are liking a lot, uh, Makai Blackman, I think is how you pronounce his name. Like he at least got, a really good like PFF score. I think last year he like only missed like two tackles or something last year. So the fact that they didn't address. Yeah. You need, you need tackling, especially in at cornerback, you know? So if you're going to like draft corner in the third round and not address it, like by getting like a Joey Porter jr. Trading up, you know, for someone else at corner, then I guess they must value who they have in the room right now pretty high. Like they must be pretty high on Andrew Booth and a Caleb Evans to at least, you know, have be a good depth right now. And they did also sign Byron Murphy to be like their best corner. So I guess we'll have to see then how Blackman fits in, how much playing time he's going to get early in his career. So they so yeah, they must really like their current depth by not trying to address it early. So I guess I'm kind of fine with that. And the rest of the draft, I really don't know a whole lot about it, all these other people, other than you know, people are optimistic about Jaron Hall and his ability to step in should that be needed. But I don't think that he's gonna be much more than like a backup. Yeah. So I could see that too. I mean, the two guy can't really go wrong, you know, with two late LSU SEC defensive player draft picks. You know, you just hope Jay Ward can step in, you know, Jacqueline Roy. I'm sure he won't be starting or anything right away, but just a rotation guy that, you know, right. get, get some fresh legs in there. Um, and I'm sure Jay Ward will as well, you know. In a perfect world, I'm sure the Vikings are hoping to groom him, as you know, when Harrison Smith leaves. You got Louis Seen and uh, Jay Ward uh, to – right side there but yeah jordan jordan addison i mean at this i i don't know what to expect from him i mean good like good you know you don't really we don't have access to all the game tape right so you we're just kind of stuck watching highlights uh solid feet would like to see him break a couple more tackles but he's not really a big guy at 511 borderline six foot um i just i just hope he can take some of that some of that uh stress off of Justin Jefferson, maybe use him as some sort of, you know, gadget player. I like him more in the slot than I do outside for sure. Gives him more room to roam. Um, uh, I'd, I'd say I'd put KJ Osborne on the outside and Jordan Addison on the inside. Just use him like, I wouldn't say more of a gadget player, but, you know, use him for those jet sweeps, use him for that those looks. Instead of Justin Jefferson, where it's yeah. so obvious that he's going to get the ball. You know, I think I think what we want to be careful of as fans is like, you know, typecasting someone like Jordan Addison into a guy like Cordero Patterson. 
Because it was pretty clear when the Vikings drafted Cordero Patterson, that's the type of role that they were going to use him as. And it's not ideal to draft a guy like that that in the first round. So I think we want to be careful about how we as fans are like typecasting certain players. Like if you want to see that type of stuff, fine, they may do that. But if that's going to be like their identity, they're not going to really be able to grow as much. So that's why Cordero Patterson's blossomed so much later in his career as a running back, you know, just because he can actually specialize at something instead of like being the gadget guy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I use that term loosely. The gadget guy seems like he's not ready or not good enough to be a guy. He's he was a wide receiver of the year at Pitt. So, right. He's certainly able to do something, I'd assume. (laughs) Right. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and this is also becoming a league where the more weapons you have on offense, the better off you are. I mean, just like with the amount of like pass catchers that the Cincinnati Bengals currently have and how successful they've been. If you can diversify your offense that much where you can have a Jamar chase, a T Higgins, you know, a Tyler Boyd and a Joe Mixon, you know, to, you know, spread the ball to, you can't double team like everybody. So that still gives you, you know, enough opportunities as an offense to spread the ball around and create one-on-ones with those people. So that's why that's also why I like the Jordan Addison pick, at least in principle. Obviously, we all have to see what, you know, everything turns into. Right. I think the main thing for me is is just like you said, get those one-on-one matchups for be dangerous enough to get offer Justin Jefferson a few more looks one-on-one every single game. Adam Thielen, I mean, honestly, not a bad, not a bad season by any means. 70 catches, seven, 716 yards, you know, six touchdowns, not a bad season for a number two guy. If Jordan Addicts, Jordan Addison can turn into that or slightly better even, which he certainly has the potential to, then we're cooking. <laughs> then we're really cooking. And that's what I, I'm really excited about that. I'm not going to lie. Right. If this turns out well, which I mean, for Minnesota sports, we've said that a million times. If this turns out well, then we're cooking. But, you know, your expectations. Yeah. But right. Like, but if like, like you said, T Higgins, for example, 74 catches, thousand yards uh, last year. Jordan, I mean, I'm not expecting that to do that as rookie season, but if he can turn into that by like year three. Right. Now thousand yard receiver by year three. Isn't that what you're asking for any first round receiver? Right. Justin Jefferson had 1400 in like year one, but (laughs) that's an exception. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take that. If, if, if you can do that, I'm happy. But I guess by year three, too, I'm sure Kirk is gone by then. So, you, yeah, we this is just a uh, we have such an interesting timeline for this team right now. I don't even know what the timeline actually is at this point. Are we just kind of keeping Kirk here until we find the guy to push us over the top? Or are we trying to push over the top right now? We got I mean, I guess it's not bad to have these options, but as a Minnesota sports fan, all we just kind of want in our lives is stability or just a direction. And we don't really have one yet. Amen. Yep. I'd like to have a direction though. 
I think that uh, I'm anticipating this is just me thinking. I don't think that Kirk Cousins is going to be a Minnesota Viking in 2024. This is just me speculating. Just because, I mean, they've already done the song and dance with him all these times. They've extended him two years. Now they extended him one year. You know, how much longer of a leash are they going to give him just because they don't want to let him go when he actually starts to stink? You know? Yeah. Like, in theory... That's what you want. So, but then you have to like think of, then you have to think ahead, like, okay, where are we going to be this year as a team? Are we going to make the playoffs? If so, when are we going to lose in the playoffs? Like, so that we can be in position to take a quarterback. Like, you know, if that's going to be the case. So, I mean, yeah, you got to think about really next year almost you know now to figure out all right who's gonna be available who could be available what are our options i don't know i'm at least thinking out loud and i'll put it out there i'm not anticipating kirk cousins to be a viking at this moment um next year i'm at least anticipating that but obviously things could change who knows maybe 36 year old kirk cousins is still gonna be good but who's to say do you just write off a one-year contracts then? You don't really, because like, you know, at 36, you don't want to give them really a two-year contract with guaranteed money because you just never know. It's, it's, it's Kirk Cousins. So at this point, yeah, I guess just, I, we're, you're not going to get Caleb, Caleb Williams, I believe. Yeah, Caleb Williams. No, no. You're not I, I think, that. I don't think you're going to be bad enough for that. And you then we just don't have enough, uh, firepower to trade up to number one unless you're looking to ship justin jefferson which uh why though not but why certainly not going to happen i'm not sold on drake may either i don't know it's uh it's gonna be interesting i'm not i'm not really sold on anyone besides caleb williams here <laughs> so i don't know we'll see what happens but yeah i mean michael Michael Penix Jr. He's going to be up there too. I just I don't know. And then I, you have I, to like, I also it, they're also very young quarterbacks. So yeah, I mean, if you want that kind of like, if Michael Penix is available, like where the Vikings could end up picking, which is certainly possible, then you have to like almost retool your entire offensive line so that your right tackle becomes your blindside blocker because he's a lefty. So. I mean, at least if you want to do it that way. So we haven't had a good, hey, we haven't had a good uh, lefty, a south, good southpaw in the NFL in a hot minute. So yeah, Tua still isn't there yet. Um, yeah, Tua isn't uh, the Steve Young yet. I, no. I we got to see the. I I just want to see the 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 league get taken over by lefties. <laughs> do you ever see those Imagine, yeah. where? You know, I think they did that for Tua last year. Everyone, like, makes fun of how weird he throws, but someone mirrored it to look like he was throwing right-handed, and it looked just perfect. It looked just pure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just something I just remembered off the top of my head. But. Yeah. Uh-huh. Imagine, oh. though, if, like, Pat White would have worked out, you know, as a left-handed back in the day. You know, with his what? rule threat ability, he yeah. was ahead of his time. <laughs> just saying. If he would have just had Tavon Austin in the NFL, you know, it would have been game over. Tavon right. Austin <laughs> still has it. He's, he's still really – could be a good gadget guy. 
one of those dudes that just bounces a Brandon, like a Brandon Cooks type of guy, just bounces around to every flipping team in the NFL. Right. Which is still yeah. like, hey, we got Brandon Cooks. Hey, Tavon Austin, you never know. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. By the way, if you're listening to this and you don't remember who Pat White is, do yourself a favor and YouTube his highlights from like 2007, 2008 or whatever. Like Pat White was something else. He was electric. He, I thought he was that guy for sure. <laughs> a lot of people's favorite court, college quarterbacks back in the day and a great era for college quarterbacks as well. Oh, like 100%. Colt Brennan, you know, of course, being one Shout of the out. best of that era. So. Uh, but yeah. I, I would say Colt Brennan is my – probably he's easily my favorite college athlete of all time. Easily. I used to, I used to stay up and watch those Hawaii games – 2 a.m. Sure, let's do it. The whack. Why not? The, oh yeah, the whack was unbelievable back in the day. <laughs> if it was a Hawaii Boise State game, I remember that happened. I admit, I was like, put this on the cap. There's no way I'm going to miss this. Cole Brennan, obvious masterclass. <laughs> Rest in peace to my goat. Yeah, man. All right, we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap up. Uh, take a quick break here. Uh, it'll be a, probably a quicker episode. We'll talk some twins and their struggles, I guess. And then uh random Minnesota athlete. All right. And welcome back. We're talking a little bit of twins here. Things started uh, pretty fine to start the season uh, hitting wise and pitching wise. Pitching wise, still there-ish, at least from the starters. The hitting, holy cow. 233 from Buxton, 189 from Gallo, 185 from Correa, 213 from Max Kep. I there is not the only person over 250 is uh Jorge Polanco and uh, and Ryan Jeffers. Um and they haven't had like the most at bats on the team so far. So I don't know, man. This I I, I think I said it. Um when we were talking about the Twins initially, this is just our division to lose, and we are doing exactly kind of what we did last year and saying, actually, Cleveland, if you want it, you know, here you go. We don't want it. Like, yeah, this is too much work. <laughs> well, breaking news as well, as of a couple hours ago, the Twins sent down Jose Miranda um, to AAA. So they are um, at least trying to get him on track because he's not been very good in any facet lately so kyle farmer is now gonna be replacing him on the 26 man roster so there's that i guess um but i don't know yeah the way that this season has started yeah great optimism about the pitching you cannot be much happier about the pitching joe ryan great start to the year sunny gray even better you know um Bailey Ober in his two in his three starts have been good you just you have no idea what you're getting though from the back end of the bullpen right now because I mean yeah despite John Duran you know having you know a two ERA that's still fine and he's you know been um striking people out he still has walked nine people in 12 and two-thirds innings so like you have to be worried about that Griffin Jacks has been built has been a build with a lot of losses lately and uh, yeah, and you still have to deal with freaking Emilio Pagan in your bullpen too. Like, yeah, the two and our record is uh, deceiving because like records don't really mean anything for relief pitchers. 
but like it's still like yeah i don't know the way that this is uh built up is uh gonna be i don't know sustainable i mean there's yeah. still some people that have been up here on the big club that they're it clearly hasn't worked out either either injured or they're in the minors so i guess we'll see but pitching standpoint yeah you can't be more excited but this team cannot hit like i was watching the game on sunday they got one hit and their only hit came in the seventh inning (laughs) like what are we doing at this point and yeah i don't know man this is and we have that was the one thing we weren't worried about heading into the season but just knowing knowing the twins when they're when they're down they when they're down you don't expect them to be good and all of a sudden they're good whether and then if you expect the hitting to be good well it's trash and then if you expect the pitching to be trash well all of a sudden it's good now right. like, like you mentioned i'm not the hitting needs to get get going right now because Sonny Gray isn't going to put up a 1.35 ERA for the rest of the season. No, at, no. He's, what, 33, 34 now? Like, 35 maybe even? Like, that's not sustainable. Sonny Gray is 33 years old, according to baseball reference. Yes. So, 33. Joe Ryan, I mean, that's something you can expect to try to – I mean, two, two, four, five ERA, that's tough to – that's going to be tough to maintain. But that's what – you just need the bats to get going, man. It's it can't keep continuing like this. Otherwise, we will be in third, fourth place in in the division here. Like Carlos, Correa. which is an in, which is an indicting statement on this division. Again, the Twins, as we record this, nineteen and seventeen in first place, but those pesky Cleveland Guardians are creeping back in there. Detroit's been winning a lot of games lately. Yeah, Chicago and Kansas City are also in your division and are bad, but you still have to be on top of those teams. You still, so, have, to win, yeah, you still have to win just be just because you're better than them on paper doesn't mean the wins just come like that. This is baseball. Now you have to work for it. And you have to actually put runs on the board. Like that's something that they've and not been doing lately. Out. They have not been creating runs. In the last like month, I remember in like a game in the middle of April and they're suicide squeezing like they're creating runs with one out and a runner on third. They're creating runs by just bunting the ball, which baseball purists like me find a lot of, you know, satisfaction in, especially (laughs) considering they're executing. So, like, I don't know. But the thing with that is you need to get runners to third base in the first place and the twins have not been doing a great job at that lately. Like you got to get people on base. You need solid contact. You need to work counts better. Like I've been noticing too, like in like the twins have almost no plan. It feels like when they're, you know, heading up to the Finch's free flowing offense. (laughs) Right. Right. Like you can't just willy nilly. You have to be actually like reading the picture, seeing the ball, you have to do that kind of stuff, especially if that is your, you know, main job. So I don't know. It's just so weird to see like, right. The, as you mentioned, the identity of the twins has been, this is an offensive baseball team. They have spent so much money into their offense to the guys that are paid to make contact with the baseball. 
And uh, to see them sputter like this, but the pitching flourish, which usually the pitching has been the bi- the biggest concern. It's just like, now what do you do? Like, now what do you do? And this also puts like fans in a bad spot because the owners are probably looking at this like, well, now we spent all this money on Correa and it's not paying off. So why keep doing it? Let's just keep developing our prospects and then trade them when they need to get paid. Like, I don't want that to happen. Correa needs to step up. And he also, speaking of the Timberwolves, he also brought up like a, just a page. He just ripped it out of the Timberwolves press conference playbook. This is something that like I could see Anthony Edwards, Carl Towns, or Rudy Gobert saying. Carlos Correa is like, yeah, like I'd boo myself too with the amount of money I'm making and I'm playing like that. That sounds like something I'd hear from any of those three guys. Like, oh, they just say it and then, all right, well, you said it now, but uh, you have to what are you gonna do about ball. it. You still have to hit the ball. Yeah. I mean, I've been also seeing, yeah, like despite the 185 average out of Correa, he's been hitting the ball hard. I mean, okay, fine. I, I, I'll, I'll put a hand up. I have not been watching every game, but you still – it's just still these same things that come up over and over again, especially with Carlos Correa. So, I mean, I'm not going to allege that there's like, you know, more injury issue, like related issues. It's causing this slump. And also, yeah, baseball players go through slumps. We're all aware of that. It's just, I don't know when you're expecting more out of a guy that, you know, you are paying an exorbitant amount of money to be the anchor of your offense, I don't know. That's that's just where I'm coming from, at least. Like, you you should be expecting more out of that. I mean, yeah, like, if you're going to go to a slump, just go through a slump. Just keep it at, like, a, you know, like a 2, 230, 240, 250 average, you know? Not uh, 185. <laughs> One, 185 is, is borderline unacceptable for, yeah. you know, that we trust to, like, not only – play his balls off but like lead this franchise because he is he's been in the league just as long as byron buxton has like those two guys leading this team they're the number one and two picks in that draft well and speaking of buxton speaking of buxton i mean he's not immune to this slump either i mean remember when he was absolutely tearing the cover off the baseball earlier in the year he's now fallen to in 844 OPS is, is, you know, on base percentage is only at 336, which like you'd expect more out of a guy that can put the bat on the ball hard, you know, like, so, I mean, I don't know. You're, I don't know. Also like, I mean, this is so these- weird. Like looking at the, this team and the way it's constructed, there's, there's clearly a plan, you know, there's a vision that you're like, okay, here's how we want to set things up, but it's not going that way. I don't know. It's just a, yeah, it's also just a bunch of players on kind of the same level. Like we got all these prospects just waiting for their shot. Well, we still have Max Kepler in the lineup batting 213. Oh, wow. What a big shocker there. Like, come on. Like, we got to, there's something that needs to be switched up here. Max Kepler hasn't been the answer for the last four, five years now. I think. Every fan knows that besides the front office and the, the managing, the coaching managing staff, like he, he doesn't, he doesn't steal bases. He's not an excellent defender. Like what do you do here? (laughs) 
sir. The twins as a whole, like, Kepler, what do you do here? But yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess at least I can say to like the Buxton point, he's at least healthy. Like he's not missing games. They're DHing him every day. So there's that. That's good. But I mean, like, yeah, this team needs to figure out something at the plate and they need to be able to create runs. They're kind of in that desperate. I, I mean, I don't think that you can really call a team ne- like real desperate. It is May. Yeah. <laughs> the schedule, like, you know, there's still a lot. There's still a hundred games left. Like, There's more than a hundred games left. So like, but these concerns though, if they're not remedied could last. So, I mean, yeah, that's where we're kind of coming from here. Just like we need to see better results just so that like you can at least like feel like actually optimistic. Like, how about that? How about we actually like have play on the field that actually garners optimism? Like, isn't that all we're again to your point from earlier? Isn't that all we want at the end of the day? Just like anything that garners optimism. Oh, 100%. And that, that goes, that goes, that, that, that circulates all of the teams in Minnesota sports. Like, let's just, can we just so show like signs of improvement where it's like, okay, this could become something. But that, I mean, whether it be the Wolves, the Twins, the Vikings, there's always just the one or two little things that are like, eh, mm, I don't know, Jim. I don't know, Jim. Right. Yeah, it's like with the Wild, like, oh, their lack of center depth. Here it is again. Um, yeah, with the Timberwolves. Oh, here's that lack of bench production. It's here again. Like lack um, of bench production, lack of finding an identity with the Vikings. We're winning games, <laughs> but hmm. But is know. this sustainable? Yeah, is this sustainable? Exactly. So I don't know. It, yeah, you can tell a lot about the way that we feel just by like, yeah, we've been kind of paying attention. At least we can say that. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's enough Twins talk, but uh, we'll round out the show here with a little random Minnesota athlete of the week. Um, random Minnesota athlete. I was taking a look at things. I just went Wolves again because just the first name that popped in my head. Uh, Seb- Sebastian Telfair. That's a pretty good one. He played for eight teams uh, in his time in the league, 04 to 2015. Um, his longest stint actually being with the Minnesota Timberwolves, like two and a half seasons. <laughs> <laughs> or no, yeah, two about two and a half seasons with the Timberwolves. Longest tenure with any team, but uh, he's just, you know, another just one of those guys. <laughs> 9.1 points a game. You know, averaging a good 27 minutes, uh, 39% from the field. Yeah, I mean, 33% from three. Just another guy. If you want a backup point guard, Sebastian Telfair for a while was a good option. 100%. (laughs) So, all right. Yeah, solid. I mean, yeah, not going to be anything that'll blow your socks off, but right. He'll get the job done. Yes. He'll be there. <laughs> He'll move the ball. Just yeah. got to dudes. <laughs> All right, what do you got? 
mine was another twins player. He's uh, one of the uh, piranhas from back Ooh. in the day, Luis Rodriguez. Oh, he was a guy that I just like, you know, randomly thought of, okay, who's a guy from like the 2007 twins that like nobody remembers. All right. Luis Rodriguez is a prime example. He only spent three years with the twins from like 05 to 07. And, uh, just was you know your classic like you know fill in utility player didn't play more than 80 games in a year but he'll give you you know okay infield defense and um not great uh hitting but he'll be a body <laughs> for you so um yeah he only yeah, lasted he only lasted three more seasons after he left the twins in 07 but i just remember him wearing number 38 and uh, having, like, this really, like, hiked-up batting stance. I'm holding my phone with my left hand, so I can't, like, imitate it. But he, like, really, like, choke up, like, like chicken wing style with his elbow and his batting stance. And, and he was a switch hitter, so it always show up with either of his elbows. So, yeah, I just remember him having a really distinct batting stance uh, when he was with the Twins. Him and Alexi Casilla too. He Alexi Casilla, yeah. that, like chicken wing, just flat bat batting stance. Yeah, I oh gosh, actually I could uh, go through. I I might just go on a run of random uh twins athletes from like from like oh four to like twenty thirteen here since we're just in <laughs> baseball season. There's so <laughs> many guys you could throw out there, right? Like, not not really. I mean, the outfield positions we kind of had, you know, laid laid the groundwork there, but like it was just a revolving door at third, short, and second base. But they're all mm-hmm. just they all ended up just being the the, the piranhas. Like it just right. version version V two V three. Like each year it would change. Besides Nick Punto, <laughs> right? You know, like Jason Bartlett. You know, is another oh, great yeah. example. You James- know, and then he. Then he went to the Rays in 2008 and goes on that run to the World Series. So, yeah, like, that's just another great example, you know. Oh, uh, but, yeah, like all those – yeah, the, the years before Correa, you know, there's a lot of instability, um, I guess you could say, at the infield positions. And the years before, like, Jorge Polanco. Like, you have no idea who's going to be, like, your starting double play combo. You don't really have an idea who's going to be your third baseman. But, but the, the twins still is, are gonna win games. The chemistry is there, though. They, whoever it yeah. was, they were flipping double plays like they've been doing for like ten years. Uh, Gar- Guardy knew how to coach defense. That's for sure. Right. Absolutely. That's that's for sure. That is for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that'll uh, round up, uh, uh, wrap up another episode of Spunk Lake Sports, guys. Thanks for listening once again. We'll be back next week with uh, something. <laughs> Who knows? Yep. All right. Thanks again, guys. Thank you.